The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. The MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker. You are listening to episode 154 of the podcast, or you're joining us live here on YouTube. Today is Sunday, August the 18th, and we are coming off of an amazing pay-per-view, UFC 241, Anaheim, California. Stipe Miocic winning the heavyweight championship of the world back from the man who took it from him, Daniel Cormier. But before we get into that, let me introduce my co-host all the way from rainy and dreary New Jersey, Jeff, the Animal Wilson. Jeff, how you feeling on this uh, Sunday evening, my friend? I know you had to mop up a little bit of water tonight. Bill, can you hear me? Because the video is like weird. Yeah, I can hear you, Jeff, but I can't. I can't see you. You're frozen. All right. I don't know what's going on with that whole uh but i'll keep talking so um yeah we had a little bit of a monsoon uh wasn't super fun but i mean there was hail coming down too it was it was weird bill i'm not used to being in that situation and the whole front yard flooded so it started coming into the house a little bit but uh we put up a sand trap and hopefully that'll uh That'll help us out a little bit. But, um, yeah, dude, um, nothing's going to take away from the excitement that I felt from this card, though. It was unbelievable. Yeah, man. So there were so many great fights. It's almost like I don't know where to start. And I was thinking about it before we did the show. And, um, you know, we don't script this thing or anything or take notes or, or, or any bullshit like that. So I was thinking about, well, where do we start? And... Here's what I decided, Jeff. I want to tell a story before we get into the card. And it's a story that I've kind of been teasing for a long time. And it um, it occurred to me while I was thinking about this story. And I'm talking about the night that I partied with the Diaz brothers uh, in Orlando, Florida, a couple of years ago. And as I was thinking about this story, and you know, I brought it up several times on the on the show, but there's just never been a good time to tell it. And I realize why now. A Diaz brother has not won a fight in the entire history of MMA on the Rocks. So Nick Diaz's last win was in 2011, and Nate Diaz last won a fight against Conor McGregor March 5th of 2016, and MMA on the Rocks would not be formed until a couple of months later in July of 2016. So I never really felt like it was an appropriate time to tell this story because it's a story that really celebrates who the Diaz brothers are as people. And I I wouldn't want to bring that up like after a loss. And then they kept stringing us along for when they were going to fight. And then Nate finally got in there. UFC 241 put on an awesome fight uh, after after three years away and and is able to get a victory over a guy like Anthony Pettis, it's really 
an amazing accomplishment. So, of course, I figured it's the perfect time to tell his story finally. And it's one of those stories that a series of events just kind of culminated and resulted in everything just being perfect. And, and it's one of those nights that really sticks out in my memory. And, and I, I remember it so vividly, Jeff, that's why, um, you know, I really wanted to wait for the opportune time to tell this story because I know whenever the opportunity came up, I'd be able to do it in, in pretty great detail, even though there's not like video or anything documenting. I took a couple of pictures that night. So let me start from the beginning. So it was UFC on Fox 17. It was in Orlando, Florida. It was December 19th, 2015. So MMA on the rocks wouldn't exist for another six or seven months after this event. I was still living in New Jersey at the time. So I actually flew down to Orlando for this. Uh, I used to go to a lot more live events um, back in the day when I was, when I was young and childless and, um, got an Airbnb in Orlando. The main event was Rafael Dos Anjos and, uh, Donald Cerrone for the lightweight championship. And, uh, Nate Diaz was on the card as well. He was fighting Michael Johnson. So I was excited. I get there early. I, I watch every single fight. Uh, this was actually the night Kamaru Usman beat Leon Edwards. Uh, to give you an idea of how long ago this was as well. Um, Valentina Shevchenko was on the card. She was not nearly as well known. Nate Marquardt was on the card against CB Dalloway. It was a great card. Carolina Kovalkiewicz and Randa Marcos. Um, and then uh, Alistair Overeem and Junior Dos Santos was the co-main event. And right before that was Nate Diaz and Michael Johnson. So Nate Diaz boxes up Michael Johnson you know, Michael Johnson is fast and powerful, but Diaz was able to piece him up and come away with the unanimous decision victory. And that's when he gave his famous speech calling out Conor McGregor. And the rest is kind of history uh, when it comes to that. I don't, I don't want to talk too much about Conor McGregor and, and waste time on all that nonsense. But, you know, that's kind of really what springboarded Nate's career was that call out of Conor McGregor motherfucker you took everything i work for you know who's a real money fight is me i'm paraphrasing of course so during the fights um the wife and i decide to walk around the arena so this is the amway center in orlando florida so we're walking around and they have a rooftop bar and it's called the 180 skyway i believe 180 skylight uh, uh, something something cheesy like that so you, you take an elevator up to this bar and it's a rooftop and it overlooks Orlando and um, it, the, the arena is like a big sphere. So it kind of sits on a deck like underneath the sphere and overlooks the city. It's really nice, really kind of like swanky nightclub kind of thing. So I go up there, I have a drink and I just happen to strike up a conversation with this uh, janitor who the, the, the rooftop bar is empty at this time. It was like the, the prelims were on and, and not a lot of people were even in the arena yet. So I get to talking to this janitor, super nice guy. And, uh, he was actually into the fights a little bit and he was, you know, going to try and watch on the monitors and stuff. So we were talking about the fights and, and you know me, Jeff, I love to talk to anybody who likes to talk about mixed martial arts. So, you know, we chat about it a little bit and then, he kind of goes on his way and then I was going to leave 
and um, he calls me over. He's like, hey, buddy, later there's an after party in this bar, and it's going to be hosted by Nick Diaz. And he showed me there was like a little flyer. I was like, okay, cool. You know, maybe I'll check that out. It's not really my thing. I'm not like a nightclub guy. And and looking around this nightclub, I could kind of see what the scene was going to be like uh, later on. You know, it's it's like glass tables and white couches. And outside they have like fancy umbrellas. And, it, you know, everything's like nice glass. Uh, it, was, it was pricey in there. You know, the drinks were expensive. So I was like, all right, you know, maybe I'll do it. And he said, listen. The way they do it is they they like a real nightclub vibe. So even though you're already in the arena, they make you line up to get on the elevator to come up here. So they can only get a couple of people coming up at a time. And it kind of helps, you know, slow down the bar so the bartenders can serve more drinks to people as they come in. People buy their drinks and then they move to the outdoor patio, et cetera. I guess it helps pace things out. He says, take this staircase right here. It's not locked. It's not marked or anything. Just go down the staircase right now so you can see how to get back up later. I was like, hey, man, thanks for the tip. I appreciate it. So, you know, the fights end and uh, Cowboy got knocked out in the main event. I was kind of bummed about that. Uh, you know, it was his second second shot at the title. So he probably wasn't going to see another one for a while. And uh, that turned out to be correct. And we decided, hey, let's go check out that after party. You know, maybe we'll, maybe we'll catch a glimpse of Nick Diaz. So we go back to the staircase, the unmarked staircase he told us to go to. And uh, we see everybody lining up at the elevator. They have these velvet ropes and everything over there. And, you know, they're checking IDs and the whole thing. And, you know, it, this is like all the people who are dressed a little bit nicer at the fights and stuff. And I was like, oh, man, this is not going to be my scene. So we go up the staircase. I go over to the bar and I get a beer. And then um, there's like a little roped off VIP section right by the elevator and I got a seat right next to that uh, VIP section. And then uh, out of nowhere, Nick Diaz just comes in and he sits down on this like velvet couch uh, that that's pretty close to the bar. And he just sits there with his head down, like looking on his phone and people are starting to come in up the elevator and they're walking by him. They're trying to get his attention. And he's ignoring everybody just head down on the phone. And you would think like he's hosting the after party. He would like, you know, get in the DJ booth or, or something, but no, he's just kind of sitting behind this VIP section. And, and those of you who know anything about Nick Diaz, he's a very private guy. He's very quiet. This is definitely not his scene either, you know, not any more than it is my scene. So he's sitting there on the couch on his phone. And, um, I, I took, I took a picture of him on my phone and then I was trying to take a picture of myself with him kind of in the background. And, um, I get tapped on the shoulder by this guy, this, this really big guy. And, um, he says, Hey buddy. And I was like, Oh, Oh, sorry. Uh, you know, no pictures or whatever. And he, he says, you want a picture with Nick? I was like, yeah, that'd be cool. I mean, it doesn't look like he's up for it. So he turns around and he has, he says, Hey Nick, get over here. You got to take a picture with this guy. <laughs> so <laughs> he opens up the rope and he's like, come on over here. So I'm standing there with my beer with Nick Diaz and I was, I didn't know what to say, man. You know, I've been watching Nick Diaz fight for, I don't know how many years at this point. Uh, you know, the, the Goga Plata uh, submission over Takanori Gomi, you know, it, 
the, the knockout of Robbie Lawler. Like, I don't know what to say. I, I'm, I'm at a loss for words. I, I'm not the type to get starstruck, but I, I couldn't put a sentence together. This fucking Nick Diaz standing in front of me. So I'm just like, Hey man, and, uh, <laughs> that was it. And then the guy took a picture for me and I was like, Hey, thanks so much. I'm a big fan. I really appreciate it. Uh, you know, we're going to stay and hang out at the bar for your after party or whatever. And, um, so I go, I, I go back out of the velvet rope section and, um, I'm sitting there uh, on cloud nine. You know, I, I got a picture with Nick Diaz. This is like the coolest thing. Uh, I'm trying to post it on Instagram and, and, and Facebook and whatever else. And I didn't have the podcast at the time. So it was just like my, my personal Instagram that, that nobody ever looked at. And, and even the people who did are mostly like family and friends that don't watch UFC. It wouldn't mean anything to them, but you know, it was, it was fucking awesome for me. Cause I got a picture with Nick Diaz. So I'm there and I'm, you know, posting it and, uh, you know, thinking about the fights and the place starts to fill up. Right. And we start getting pushed like down the bar a little bit to the point where we can't really order drinks anymore. It's starting to get crowded, but we get pushed like a little closer. And, um, the guy who brought me over before he was like, Hey man, I looked out. I was like, Hey, like, by the way, my name is Jeff. He's like, I'm, uh, I'm Nick and Nate's cousin. And, uh, he's like, you want to come over here and have a drink with us? And I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he opens the rope. He lets my wife and I back, um, into the VIP section, which has a couple more people in it at this point. Um, Nate isn't there yet. I guess he's still like downstairs, like changing from his fight with Michael Johnson and everything like that. Nick is kind of sitting there on his phone still. He had a girl with him. I assumed it was his girlfriend. And, uh, you know, a few more people start to file in. And one of them was Jake Shields. And uh, they start to bring bottles in and start putting them out. And I was like, I I, I was talking to the guy, uh, you know, Nick's cousin for a little bit. And I was like, man, I, I appreciate this so much. I feel a little out of place here. He's like, Hey, relax, man, here, have a drink. And he like pours shots and we take, take some shots. I'm like, all right, cool. And then I turn around and, um, to cheers for the shot and who's holding a shot glass, but Jake Shields behind me. So here I am taking shots with Jake Shields. I'm like, all right, this is cool. So I'm face to face with Jake Shields. Um, I start to be a little speechless, but you know, the boozer catching up. So I was like, let me strike up a conversation. How long, how many times do you have the opportunity uh, to be having a drink with Jake Shields? So I start talking to him and uh, it happened to be not long after he had the fight with Husamar Paul Harris and uh, Paul Harris held a Kimura too long on him and he was tapping and Paul Harris wouldn't let it go. Of course he's famous for that. And then when he finally did let it go, Jake hit him after the bell and, understandably so because Paul Harris was trying to rip his arm off even after the fight was over. So I brought that up. I was like, man, what a fucking dick, huh? And he's like, yeah, right. <laughs> so, so there we are. And then, uh, you know, another round of shots. And then next thing I turn around and there's Nate Diaz standing, uh, right behind me. And he's got the biggest smile on his face. His face is covered in bruises because it was, it was a pretty, um, pretty much a brawl with Michael Johnson 
but he's got the biggest grin on his face. You know, he just won the fight. He just called out Conor McGregor in one of the most epic post-fight speeches of all time. And, uh, you know, he's coming up to the after party that his brother is hosting, quote unquote. And uh, he's ready to let loose. So uh, I can tell you this much. They like Patron. And uh, Jake Shields is a Jameson guy. Um, so... You know, Jake Shields has kind of like had the bottle of Jameson to himself and everybody else was taking shots of Patron and and they kept getting past my way. And I'm not one to turn down a shot, especially when it's with the Diaz brothers. Um, I got a picture with Nate that night and I don't know what happened with my phone or the iCloud storage or or whatever or, or my phone memory, but the picture didn't save. And man, I'm so bummed about that. But uh, the, the memory was never erased. Like I did, I don't know how many shots of Patron, uh, with Nate and, um, you know, I got to see him letting loose and see, he's like a really cool guy because when you see him in the media, he's all, um, you know, fuck you and fuck this and motherfucker this and motherfucker that and, um, mo fucking money fight and fuck Conor McGregor and fuck you and fuck everybody and fuck your mother and fuck your grandchildren uh <laughs> but you know it, in person he's not he's not that i mean you could tell he's a fucking hard-ass motherfucker um but you know he just wanted to have a good time so i guess the moral of the story jeff is um you know just just be cool to people and then cool shit happens you know i, I struck up a conversation with a um a, a janitor who who happened to share some interest with me and and he shared some information with me that that led to me, you know, having drinks with the Diaz brothers. And uh, it was a once in a lifetime experience. And I, I can't even tell you how I got back uh, to my hotel room that night. Um, I, I was so appreciative of the guy who who brought me into that VIP section. You know, I'm not a guy who who kind of goes to these types of bars. And I think that stood out to him that I felt out of place, but I just really wanted to be there because, you know, the Diaz brothers were there. And I think that's why he kind of singled me out to bring me in. Um, because we were like the little group of outcasts, um, amongst all the people who were, uh, you know, dressed swanky and they're ordering cosmopolitans and stuff. And we're, we're drinking Budweiser and doing shots of Patron um, and it was such like the opposite way that society is supposed to be, you know, those people are supposed to be in the VIP section and the people like myself and Jig Shields and the Diaz brothers, uh, you know, like these grizzled MMA fighters, they should be like at the back of the bar, um, you know, struggling to get a drink. But, uh, for that one night in Orlando, Florida, Jeff, that's not the way it was. And, um, it was really one of the coolest experiences ever. And it, it made me a fan for life of those guys. Um, you, you know, no matter what would happen thereafter. And even though neither one of them had won a fight until now, since the creation of this podcast, and I've been waiting over three years to tell this story. Um, I'll always be a fan of those guys, uh, just because I had that experience and, and it was, it was really awesome. So there it was Jeff. And here we are talking about Nate Diaz victorious against Anthony Pettis at 170 pounds in Anaheim, California at UFC 241. So let's start there, man. Um, 
I mean, any thoughts? I don't know if I've even ever told you this whole story before. It, it's, it, I don't really recall if, uh, I, I mean, I probably have, but I don't know, man. What do you think? Yeah, that's an awesome story, dude. I uh, This is actually my first time hearing uh, hearing it in such detail. I, I, I know you've told me that you hung out with the Diaz brothers um, and had drinks and stuff, but <clears throat> hearing it in such detail and how excited you get about it, it's pretty awesome, dude. Um, you know, I, I got a chance to do a jujitsu seminar um, with uh, Jake Shields. You know, Jake Shields was hosting it, and I was there mm-hmm. as, as one of the students. And he's he's a cool dude. So I imagine that they're all really cool dudes. And I, I had a similar reaction when I met Jake Shields. I, I thanked him for punching Husmar Pahars. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> that guy deserved it. Um, yeah, what a dick. Yeah, man. But, uh, yeah, anyway, man, um, that's awesome. Hopefully I can have a story like that someday. Um, but, dude, um, this whole card, top to bottom, was just absolutely fantastic. There yeah. was... I can't even think off the top of my head the fights that I watched. I can't think of any bad ones. Um, I'm sure they'll they'll pop up, but um, you know Nate Diaz and Anthony Pettis was just awesome. It was you know from bell to bell. It was it was a brawl. I, I like that Diaz didn't give Pettis any space to really get going with his flashy kicks and stuff. And the only issue I had was in the third round when Diaz, it looked like he was going to finish Pettis, and I felt like he got greedy, man. Mm-hmm. He could have finished it with strikes, it seemed like, and then he started uh, turning Pettis over, trying to get on his back and stuff. I felt like he kind of had it up until he went for the, for the submission. Yeah, well... You know, in his defense, he probably just didn't want to get the finish and and get his hand raised by Mike uh, Beltran in that way without uh, Beltran's beard exposed, uh, because the California State Athletic Commission made him tuck it into his shirt. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, but that was an awesome fight. I mean, it was so back and forth. We got to see the grappling exchanges. I was I was hoping for. You know, because both of these guys are amazing at jujitsu, uh, but mostly off of their backs. You know, neither one of them are really wrestlers, and neither one of them are really top pressure jujitsu guys. Um, but we got to see it. You know, we got to see you know Pettis going for submissions. We got to see Diaz going for submissions. Um, we got to see Diaz's ground control. Uh, we we haven't seen seen that in a long time. You know, since the first Conor McGregor fight. Uh, when that was his bread and butter coming off the ultimate fighter, I mean, he was triangle choking everybody. Um, but he kind of got away from that because he fell in love with boxing a little bit more. And, and he loves that, that volume striking. And, you know, when we've seen Anthony Pettis struggle in the past, it's always been with guys who pressure him because the thing with Pettis is he's got to be able to have space to get off all those fancy kicks. And if you're pressuring him and you're getting in his face, um, you know, he can't get that rhythm, even though he fights like off tempo a little bit and, and it's hard to get, get his rhythm. Um, but at the same time, the guys who are pressuring him and giving him trouble are also wrestlers. Uh, you know, nobody has ever really pressured him with straight boxing like this. Uh, so we didn't know how it would go. And now we know it was an impressive victory. I wouldn't have been totally shocked if Nate got screwed, uh, with the decision here. You know, we saw some kind of wonky decisions. Uh, on this card, but 
you know, luckily he wasn't, and he was able to cut up some great post-fight stuff. Called out Jorge Masvidal. I fucking mm -hmm. love that fight. Yeah. Uh, th those are two of the realest guys in the sport, and and anybody who says different isn't paying attention, man. Um, that that would be an awesome fight. I would be way more excited about that uh, than the than the championship fight between Kamaru Usman and Colby Covington. And I fucking love that fight too. So put yeah. it on the same night. Uh, you know, if you think Masvidal and Diaz are a bigger draw, then it'll help the pay per view numbers. You know, let's do that. Let's let's have, and then you have a contender to step up if something happens to Colby or Kamaru. Because you know, this day and age, guys are always getting hurt. But uh, what are your thoughts on that call out, Jeff? I thought it was brilliant, man. I thought the fight out was the call out was as exciting as the fight, dude. That's how crazy it was. Yeah, and, um, yeah, dude. I, I thought it was just clever. I, I like that he said, um, you know, um, I hadn't fought in three years because everybody sucked. So um, <laughs> it, it, he said that in the post fight in the post fight yeah. press conference. So if you haven't go check that out, it was really good, especially um, Nate Diaz's bit. And you know, I just thought it was it was the right thing to do. Um, I think that's a huge money fight. I think that um, you know Nate Diaz said it himself, man. Uh, he's there to fight the best in the world, and he wants to get paid like it too. So I think the UFC needs to stop playing around and yeah. make this fight happen. Yeah, he said he wants to defend his belt of the baddest motherfucker in the UFC. <laughs> and he's choosing Jorge Masvidal to defend it against. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was it was perfect, man. He, he said all the right things. I think um, it was a good thing to leave Conor McGregor out of the conversation, especially with all the horse yep. shit he's going through now. Um, you know, I have my own opinions on that as well. It was a little too convenient. Uh, that some bad news came out about Connor the week that Nate Diaz is stealing all the headlines uh, in MMA news. So I'm not really one for conspiracies. Um, so I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think too far into it, but I'm also one who doesn't talk about the outside of the cage drama. Uh, you know, we like to keep it about the fights here and, and about the fighters who are actively fighting. And I'm so happy to, to talk about Nate Diaz in that light once again. Uh, so let's uh, let's rewind a little bit and let's go back to the main event now. Fucking Stipe Miocic, man. It, this was a comeback. You know, it was a comeback from the the loss to Daniel Cormier, and it was a comeback from early on in the fight. He just couldn't put two and two together in this one. It just wasn't clicking for him uh, until that fourth round when he started going to the body of DC with those nasty liver shots that were just stopping DC in his tracks and letting him land those one twos down the pipe and eventually making him stumble back into the cage, uh, where he ate those two mean uppercuts that put him away. And, um, it's kind of bittersweet, man. Cause you got to feel for DC. Uh, you, you know, he was at one of the highest points in his career, he was undefeated at heavyweight up to this point. But uh, when you see like the joy on Stipe's face and, and you know how much it means to him and, and to be able to do this and, and win the championship back after, after having a daughter and everything like that, uh, it was an emotional time for him. And man, it, it sucks because as a fan of the sport, sometimes you got to be, um, you know, sometimes two guys fight that you like. And uh, you got to be happy for one and, and upset for the other at the same time. But uh, give me your thoughts on the actual fight here, Jeff. 
Yeah, I'm in the same boat. It's a bittersweet. I'm a fan of both of these guys. I've been following Stipe since early in his UFC career. And, you know, it's hard to, to, you know, I wanted both of them to win, essentially. Uh, I'm really happy for Stipe, man. Um, You know, it clicked together in that fourth round. In the first two rounds, you know, DC was just so easily getting uh, past his guard. And I I felt like Stipe wasn't using his jab enough. He wasn't moving around enough. He was was happy to stay in the pocket and just eat damage. but then something clicked in his head, man, in that fourth round. I know his corner said that they wanted him moving around a little bit more. And like you said, dude, those uh, those left hooks to the body were paying dividends, man. Um, you could see DC was breathing really heavy towards mm-hmm. uh, once they got closer to that knockout. And I'm really happy for Stipe. And as for DC, man, if this is the last time we see him in the cage, you know, I really think he's one of the best of all time, man. Um, only one loss at heavyweight. Only lost to two people in his entire MMA career. I mean, you know, multiple title defenses, titles in uh, strike force as well as the UFC. You know, he, he's had some awesome fights. And, and for me, you know, I'm a bigger dude. So to see... DC and and his like dad bod, you know, <laughs> they're getting it done. You know, it's just, it's super inspirational to me. So I'm a big DC fan, and you know, if this is the last time we see DC in the cage, um, it's definitely been a really fun ride watching his career unfold. Yeah, man, for sure. It was two dads in the cage last night, but one of them looks like he could be on that firefighter calendar and the other one is DC. (laughs) So, uh, but yeah, I'm with you. I don't think it's the last time we see DC. The guy's such a competitor that I don't think he'll want to go out on a loss like this. I mean, I know he cut his gloves off and he had them in hand and, and Joe Rogan kind of cut him at the pass. He's like, if you're about to say you're going to retire, like maybe think about it because you're emotional right now. And uh, <laughs> yeah. that, that's kind of how that went, went down. But I mean, it's not like he looked bad in this fight. I mean, he just got caught uh, oh, later absolutely. on in the fight. Yeah. I mean, he had some real uh, highlight moments like that, that high crotch outside single that he hit on Stipe and picked him up over his head and fucking suplexed him like a WWE move. Uh, that's yeah. unreal. I don't think people realize how hard that is to do to another human being, especially one that's the size of Stipe Miocic. Um, so it, it's awesome to see, you know, those wrestling skills on display still. I mean, he, he hit that same thing on Josh Barnett in strike force. And, um, I remember watching that, like, what the fuck did I just watch? Is this staged? Like, is this fake? Because like, <laughs> I, <laughs> I have been wrestling a long time and, uh, I know how hard that is to do to somebody that, that doesn't wrestle. Yeah. <laughs> you know, forget about somebody who's a collegiate wrestler or a lifetime catch wrestler like Josh Barnett. Um, so yeah, it was, a, it was an impressive performance from DC, like even in a loss, uh, he, he definitely had some bright shining moments in that fight. And, um, I'm not a betting man, Jeff, but my money would be on, we're going to see DC back in that cage again. Yeah. I don't think he wants to go out like that, man. Mm-hmm. I don't think, I don't think his pride will let him. Yeah, man. So Speaking of pride, I, I don't know where this segue was going, but let's talk about y'all Romero and Paulo Costa. Uh, well, he's always kissing his, his opponents. So Yeah, he was sticking his tongue out a lot. Um, yeah. <laughs> so this is one 
I have a lot of mixed feelings about it because I scored the fight for Yoel Romero. But when the fight ended, I thought the judges would give it to Costa. And and here's what I thought. Because in the first two rounds, Costa had Romero backing up the entire time. Yoel Romero spent the first 10 minutes of this fight with his back against the cage. Um, you know, and he would explode out periodically. They both kind of rocked each other. They both landed some big shots. Um, but Costa landed that big head kick that, that kind of made, uh, Romero's eye swell up. Um, and it, and he was pressuring, you know, he was stalking and we know after the fact that Romero landed more significant strikes and he had more takedowns, but, um, you know, the judges watching it didn't know that at the time. Uh, they, they didn't see how accurate Romero's counter striking was, but that's easy to see like on the couch watching at home. So when the fight ended, I had a feeling the judges were going to give it to Costa, but I do feel like Yoel Romero should have gotten a decision, uh, in this fight if it were scored properly. But I, I do understand why it went the way it did. Give me your thoughts, Jeff. Yeah, Bill, uh, I think you did a good job of explaining why it was given to Costa, but I really think Romero got robbed here. Um, mm. You know, I, I understand what you're saying, and for most of the second round, I, I Romero was definitely backing up. But, you know, my thinking was there, there was a lot of that round, especially after about three minutes where Romero was making Costa back up. And Costa finished that round on his back, man. I, I know it's not super um, weighted because it was towards the end of the round, but mm -hmm. I just I don't think you can give a guy a round if he was backing up towards the end of it and ended up on his back at the, when the bell rang. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, I, I definitely see why they gave it to Costa. The second round was definitely a toss-up. Um, super close fight either way, but... I felt like whichever way it went, somebody was getting robbed because of how close um, this fight was, especially that second round, man. I, I, I really – I gave it to Romero, but I, I could see why it went to Costa. Um, but, dude, what an exciting fight, man. Um, I, for me, that was fight of the night up until the Nate Diaz versus uh, Anthony Pettis fight. Uh-huh. Yeah, so Jimmy Smith – I follow Jimmy Smith on, on Twitter. A lot of you may remember he did a little bit of uh, commentary work for the UFC, longtime Bellator commentator. Uh, he tweeted, this is the closest I'm ever going to see uh, to two comic book characters fighting in real life. <laughs> and I, thought that was, I thought that was so accurate. I mean, it really did look like that. There were so many holy shit moments in this fight you know, where they rocked each other and they're both so fast and powerful. And um, a, a loss in this fight is definitely more damaging to Romero's career than Costa's career. Costa could have taken a loss to Romero and rolled with it like nothing happened. But, um, you know, now Romero is uh, 50. I mean, he says he's, he says he's 41. Three, dude. Yeah, or 43. He says he's 43, but, I mean, you never know. Uh, some of that paperwork gets, gets, uh, fudged in translation. Uh, it's just the way it is. Uh, some people may remember Elian Gonzalez. Yeah. He came from Cuba, won the little league world series when he was like 25. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, in any case, um, let's do, uh, let's do Romero and DC at heavyweight. I, uh, want, <laughs> I want to see that. That would be, Awesome. 
Um, you know, you got an Olympic silver medalist and, uh, you know, almost Olympic wrestler. Uh, I think that would be a really fun fight. But, yeah, um, Costa called out uh, the winner of uh, Adesanya and Whitaker. I, I don't know how likely that would be. I would love to see Costa and maybe Kelvin Gastelum next. Mm. I think that would be fun. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, I think Kelvin Gastelum has a fight lined up. I don't know. I, I lose track now because there's just so many guys. Um, but I, I want to talk about the rest of this card. Um, Sadiq Youssef looked awesome uh, with a first-round knockout of Gabriel Benitez. Um, you know, just real technical striking, real fluid. He, he's getting more and more comfortable in there, which is a scary thing for the featherweight division. Uh, so that was a really cool performance. Derek Brunson putting that pace on Ian Heinish, man. And I thought Heinish was going to run away with this one because Brunson came out um, running face first uh, into punches and kicks. And um, and Heinish was taking advantage of it, but Heinish kind of punched himself out in that first round and trying to grapple with the the bigger and stronger Brunson. Um, you could tell he kind of kind of blew his wad in that round, and Brunson wisely hit the brakes in that first round. And he still fought aggressively, but he fought smart. You know, he was he was shelling up. He he had his defensive grappling was awesome. And uh, he put a pace that Ian Heinish couldn't keep up with. And then uh, Kama Worthy with the first-round TKO of Devontae Smith. Uh, and that was, a, that was a nice one, too. So that, that's three right there, Jeff, that I'm, that I'm throwing your way. And you tell me uh, you know, which one piques your interest the most here. Um, Derek Brunson and Ian Heinish was definitely a great fight, as was Yusuf versus Benitez. But for me, it has to be Worthy versus Smith, man. Uh, Karma Worthy excuse me, uh, making his UFC debut, taking this fight on like a week's notice or something, and he comes in, gets knockout of the night, and wins 50 grand in his UFC debut, dude. Uh -huh. uh, I can't remember the last guy who did that. You know, if if anybody in the comments remembers, you know, leave a comment saying who it was. But uh, I think that's how you get your career started, man. Um and it wasn't going his way in the beginning either. He was taking some damage from Devontae Smith and then just landed this one clean shot and mm -hmm. put Devontae Smith away. So for me, that that was definitely one of the one of the ones that you gotta go back and watch. For sure. I think the answer to your question may be Justin Gaethje in his UFC debut. I think won oh, a knockout of the night bonus. Forgot um, about it. But yeah, I mean that's like that's like, you know, coming in and, and and getting a, a pinch hit home run to, to win the game in your major league debut. So that was awesome. Uh, somebody I wanted to spend a little bit more time on one of the most impressive performances on the card, in my opinion, and that's Corey fucking Sandhagen, man. Oh, yeah. uh, the way he put it on Rafael Asuncao and just dominated him everywhere and, and made it look like Asuncao didn't even belong in there with him really blew me away. And I've always known that Sandhagen was a good fighter. In fairness, I thought he lost the fight to John Lineker in his last fight in Fort Lauderdale. I was there in person and I just didn't think he did enough. I thought Lineker did more damage and pressured more and was going forward and, and Sandhagen spent too much time moving backwards. But man, did he redeem himself in this fight? He took a guy in a Sun Sal who has been for the longest time, one of the scariest dudes in the division, and especially if he gets on top of you. And 
once the Sun Tzu got the fight to the ground and he couldn't do anything to Sandhagen there, you could tell he kind of broke. Um, but still, we saw some awesome grappling exchanges in the second round of this fight. We saw some really awkward positions where, like, a Sun Tzu had Sandhagen's uh, leg trapped also with, like, an omoplata, and, and they got in that position twice, which is very strange. Um, but we saw Sandhagen stay calm, work his way out. He mixed up his striking so well on the feet. Um, I was just so impressed with Corey Sandhagen. I wanted to make sure I took the time uh, to give him a little bit of love on the show today. Give me your thoughts, Jeff. Yeah, dude, Corey Sandhagen looked phenomenal. And Rafael Asunzao, he he's a tough dude, man. He's a contender. He's always in the top three or four ranks. And I think this is a huge feather in Corey Sandhagen's hat. His grappling looked amazing. You know, he was going toe-to-toe with a jiu-jitsu champion. We know that's not easy. And his striking was looking really solid. And last night, he was just able to mix everything together. But, you know, you definitely got to come top marks for that grappling. Um, I thought he was going to have a lot more trouble with Rafael Sunsao, especially when they hit the ground. But, uh, like I said, Corey Sandhagen really impressed me, man. Uh, I've been following him for a while, but I've never been too convinced but last night he definitely convinced me that he's uh he's a contender he's here for real man yeah he was the kind of guy you could always kind of tell like he hadn't he hadn't hit that extra gear that he's capable of yet yeah uh, but i think he he definitely hit it and and he hit the ground running with it last night uh he he looked phenomenal um so i i'm really interested to see what would be next for him there's a lot of fun fights in this bantamweight division, um, you know, on the way up to, to, uh, the champ, Henry Cejudo, Dracar close and Christos, uh, Giagos. This was another awesome fight. This was a fucking banger, man. These guys were going after it. Um, they, they were, they were both trying to finish from bell to bell and you can't ask for, uh, anything more than that. And, uh, uh, that's where, that's where I'm going to kind of, call it quits on this card jeff you have anything else you want to you want to bring up here yeah i just want to add to that jacar close versus uh christos giagos man that fight was an absolute war um bell to bell so much fun um the pendulum was constantly swinging back and forth uh so that was that was probably my favorite maybe second favorite fight on the undercard on the prelims that was a really really good fight um, and like that, that was the fight that kind of told me, Bill, that it was going to be a really good night of fights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. And, and that it was, I mean, I can't remember the last time there was a card with so many decisions that, um, people were just raving about, you know, people fucking loved this card and it, there were a lot of decisions, you know, usually, Usually that has the MMA community up in arms like, oh, I hate this sport so much. I can't believe I wasted my time. Why are there so many decisions? I want to see people get knocked out, but I don't want to watch Muay Thai because that sucks. I don't like boxing either. (laughs) And it's like just nonstop whining. We had a card full of decisions here tonight. Um, You know, granted, it was punctuated with a couple of, of knockouts, but the knockouts were like, from lesser known people except for the heavyweight champ um so you know it's a good thing man um i feel like nate diaz being back and and being back in the way that he was uh really is helping um 
you know, bring this community together on a lot of things. Cause there are a lot of people who don't like Nate Diaz and I can understand why, you know, he's, a, he's definitely an inflammatory character and um, you know, he's not like this traditional martial artist and like all this shit. He's, you know, he curses and, and smokes weed and like, uh, you know, he tells it like it is. And, and a lot of people uh, don't like to hear it told like it is. Um, so I, I can understand why there's dislike for Nate, but, um, yeah, I think it, overall it's a good thing for the sport that he's back. And, uh, I hope they make that Masvidal fight happen. So man, top to bottom, this card was just awesome. Uh, I was, <clears throat> I was really into it. And, um, I, I think not only was there an awesome card, but I think it's going to lead to a lot of really awesome things in the future. Like there's a lot of fun matchmaking that comes up out of this. You know, we could do a trilogy with Stipe and Cormier. Um, I, I think that's, that's definitely possible. You know, I, you know, Cormier definitely deserves it. And, you know, st even though Stipe had to sit on the bench for a little while um, and, and wait for his rematch, I, I have a feeling he wouldn't deny DC an immediate rematch. So there's that. Um, you know, so many different things we can do. Um, <clears throat> we got a lot of interesting matchups for Costa middleweight. Who knows what's going to happen with you old Romero, where his career goes. Hopefully it leads him to two Oh five. I've been, I've been dying to see him at, at light heavyweight. And I think there's some fun matchups for him there. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, man, UFC 241 fucking awesome. And we got a week off, which, I feel like we haven't had it forever. And and after this card, I think okay, let's take a breather. Let's uh <laughs> let's take a step back. Let's reassess and um uh, you know, then we'll get back into some MMA action. August 31st, my mom's birthday for anybody keeping track. And uh I'll actually be I'll actually be up in New York for that. So happy birthday, mom. We're, we're coming to visit. It was supposed to be a surprise, but my dad spilled the beans. And um, August 31st, we got UFC action in China. So uh, that'll be fun. Jessica Andrade uh, defending the title in enemy territory against uh, Wiley Zhang, who, um, you know, is an awesome fighter. You know, is she ready for the title? Um, we'll find out. You know, she's still super young in his career, in her career, not many fights. Um, but we can get into this card in detail next week, Jeff. Um, I'm going to talk about some non-fighting things real quick. So you may have noticed while we were talking, I, I've got another, uh, <laughs> I got another pumpkin beer here. This is a shipyard smashed pumpkin. And even though it's still hot as fuck in Florida, um, I'm celebrating fall already because pumpkin beers are available and on the shelf. And um, I am a consumer of them. So this one, unlike the uh, Tampa Bay Brewing Company one from last week, this one's a little more harsh. So this is a 9% beer. So, you know, I like to say like one of these and like a little sifter of rum is perfect. And then you're, you got a nice buzz and you could ride that out. Uh, you don't want to do too many of these cause they're super rich. They're kind of sweet. Um, it's got like a, like a burnt sugar kind of taste to it. Uh, mm. and then like all the, you know, all the typical 
uh, pumpkin flavors, kind of like cinnamony and like, you know, whatever else goes in a pumpkin pie. Uh, it tastes like that, but it definitely has like a potent alcohol presence uh, with that 9% uh, ABV. So uh, this one's good. I like this. The, the shipyard is known for their, their pumpkin head. And um, yeah, I, I think, uh, I think this is a nice one. And uh, we got Tom Tommaso Marcus back, Jeff. And he says that, uh, Corey Sanhagen should be in top five and he's ready for Marlon Moraes. Hmm. I don't know if he's ready for Marlon Moraes. I think he's ready for Cody Garbrandt though. I, I you know, I was thinking the same thing. I, I said the same thing last night, Jeff, Cody Garbrandt, and Corey Sanhagen will, will be a really fun fight right now. I don't know what, what Cody's deal is right now. If he's, if he's training or if he's, you know, you know, if he's even going to get back in there, you know, he had a couple of rough ones there. Um, but yeah, man, Corey Sanhagen's a fucking beast. Um, so there's that. And, uh, pumpkin beers. And I I'm just exhausted to tell you the truth, Jeff, cause I was up late watching these, these pay-per-views. I know we don't have it as bad as the folks, uh, you know, over in the UK and, and on the other side of the world who have to stay up late, but it was like, for me, it was like two o'clock in the morning. I went and watched it at, at my buddy Matt's house and, and I got home at like two 15 or so. And then felt, I, I fell right asleep, but you know, daughter's up at seven pull it. Her new thing is she pulls my hair, lifts my head up off the pillow and makes me look her in the face to, so that she knows I'm awake. Uh, <laughs> so that was a rough one, you know, after, uh, a couple of drinks and stayed up late like that. Um, so the, the pay-per-views hurt sometimes, Jeff, but uh, the only way to bounce back is to get right back on the horse and, and pound a couple of beers and talk about MMA on the internet. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's my solution for everything. Um, so yeah, man, I, I guess we'll wait. Let's wait until next week to, uh, we'll take a deep dive into fight night. One fifty seven. Uh, that's in China, like I said. So that's probably going to be at an odd time. That might be one of those midday cards. I haven't even looked it up yet. Um, oh, it's um, the worst bill. Like the prelims start at six a.m., dude. Oh it's shit, be terrible. Well, my daughter will make sure that I'm that I'm up bright and early for those. Um, I also saw, and I'll wait till next week to talk about this too, just because we're going kind of long. But I saw uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. The, the Quentin Tarantino movie that's out right now. And uh, I liked it. I enjoyed it. But uh, I'll wait till next week to talk about that too because maybe some people haven't seen it yet and I don't want to give I don't want to give any spoilers, but just remind me about that, Jeff. You got any? Now they know to watch it. So next week when you spoil it, they yeah. can't come crying to us about it. Yeah, if you haven't seen it by next week, um, you know, that's not my problem. Too bad. Yeah. Too bad. Yeah, that includes you, Jeff. You gotta go see it. It's a good movie. It's a long one, though. You gotta, you gotta carve out a, you gotta carve out half a day to watch this fucking movie. It's, mm. <laughs> it's like a, um, but it, it is, it's good. I mean, I usually don't like the long movies, but this kept my attention for the whole twelve and a half hours or whatever it is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, in any case, you got any uh, non MMA stuff you want to talk about, or 
or anything uh, MMA that's still burning a hole in your chest? No, I think it was just funny that you meant that uh, you were drinking uh, Patron Silver with the Diaz brothers because that's what I was drinking Friday night for a buddy's <laughs> birthday. Um, yeah, he couldn't I, I, handle it though. <laughs> few can i mean i i think few people can handle drinking with the diaz brothers those guys i know they're known for like being pot smokers but let me tell you jeff they can put some drinks back but um little did they know they they happen to be dealing with a professional that night mm. so uh there's that and, and truth be told i'm not a patron guy i would not have told them this i would not and you can't turn down a shot from nate diaz i can't feel like Oh, sorry, Nate. I don't like Patron. You know, Nate Diaz hands you a shot. You fucking take that thing. Well, Although, he might put you in a triangle otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you might. I might have gotten the old Stockton slap and had to take the shot anyway. Uh, <laughs> Although there was some kind of pen going around uh, with with some kind of substance in it. And, and I wasn't going there, Jeff. Uh, yeah. I have a, a sensitivity to uh, to uh, smokable herbs, and uh, <laughs> I wasn't taking any chances because I know they got some serious shit. Uh, <laughs> I'm not fucking with that. I'll go. <laughs> I'll go. I'll go shot for shot with the Diaz brothers all night long, but I'm I'm not touching any of their weed because um, I'd be on the floor or uh, really sick. Um, so there's that. I know there are people listening to this like, you didn't smoke weed with them? You didn't even fuck out, hang out with the Diaz brothers, man. <laughs> you pussy. And, and fair enough. I'll take that criticism. But um, yeah, man, I think we're, we're coming up on an hour here. Now we got the little countdown clock. Uh, I like this. So now we can time the episodes out better. So I like to keep them under an hour. So we're going to stick with that. Uh, if you guys want to get a hold of Jeff, it's at animal underscore Wilson on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Don't forget to give the animal a follow on Instagram. And uh, just for just for the YouTube users, let me see. Yeah, if you're on YouTube right now, you can see the uh, the handles on the screen here. And you guys know how to get a hold of me. It's at MMA on the Rocks, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. Go to the website, MMAontherocks.com. They're writing a lot of articles there, alcohol-based and otherwise biographies about fighters who have been on the show in the past. And um, we got a few more fighter interviews coming up. I, I know you guys like them. It's just it's so hard for me to, uh, to coordinate because the fighters are busy. I have, you know, limited amounts of time that I can do this every week and it gets to be a hassle, but I know you guys like it. So I'm going to make it happen. We got some fun things coming up. Please do take the time to leave us a review wherever you are listening, Apple podcasts, Google play, uh, Spotify, wherever you can, please leave us a review. It does help. If you leave us a funny review and still give us five stars, I'll read it on the air and give you guys a shout out. Um, you know, you can roast us, you know, say whatever you want, do your worst or do your best. Um, however you look at it. And, um, you know, as long as you give five stars, we're cool. All right. That's all we got until next time. Cheers, everybody. Goodbye.